You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. You're listening to special programming sponsored by the Cause Marketing Chamber of Commerce. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Giving podcast. My name is Guy Dawson, and I am the executive director and founder of the Cause Marketing Chamber of Commerce, and we are an organization that brings businesses and nonprofit organizations together to create synergistic relationships that benefit the community. The Business of Giving podcast is all about doing just that, learning more about the principles of cause marketing and how for-profit and nonprofit businesses uh, can benefit one another. And to learn more about the Cause Marketing Chamber of Commerce, we can be reached at causemarketingchamber.com. This valuable show is made possible through the generosity of our series sponsor, Solup, an energy solution and conservation company specializing in solar and battery storage systems, including solar panels. To learn more about them, visit solup.com. And of course, I am always joined by the cause marketing coach, Maria Perez. Maria, how's everything going with you? Pretty good. Can't beat this beautiful weather we're having here in town. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? We have about two weeks of fall here in Nevada and you have to enjoy it. It's beautiful. Everything is beautiful. (laughs) Well, we've been having so many interesting guests on the show recently, Uh, for-profit businesses, great nonprofits, and there is a nonprofit organization or a representative of a nonprofit organization uh, that I have been a huge proponent of for many years. Uh, She's going to be our guest today. And uh, Maria, would you like to introduce our esteemed nonprofit champion today? I would indeed. Uh, my friend and uh, colleague, Diane Orgel, is with us today. Um, she is representing the American Red Cross, in particular the Utah-Nevada region. Um, she's with uh, the Regional Disaster Office, uh, and she is a lead volunteer partner. Um, she is a pillar of this community and has volunteered in all sorts of organizations. We're so happy to have her here today to tell us a little bit about the Red Cross, which is kind of an enigma to many people. I don't, I don't think the average person really understands what the Red Cross does, so we're super excited to be able to chat with you about the initiatives, uh, the outreach, um, uh, and the support the uh, Red Cross provides our community. Diane, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so, so great to have I, you here today. I think you're absolutely right about what people know and don't know about the Red Cross. You know, when... When people think of the Red Cross, they think of blood drives, and they see pictures of the Red Cross being deployed to hurricanes across the nation or around the world, and they don't realize um, just how much we do locally in each community. Um, you know, we of course, we do our, our blood drives. Uh, we have a home fire campaign where 
we will go into someone's home and install smoke alarms for free. Um, we'll go in and change batteries. We'll change the whole alarm, whatever they need. And we know that fires are going to happen, and, and there just is no way that we can prevent all of that. But with the right precautions, hopefully we can keep people from being injured or uh, having any fatalities in these fires. Um, part of, part so, of what Diane, we do is, is – yeah. Well, you know, you just piqued my interest. It sounds to me like what people don't know about the Red Cross is they're all about preparedness. Is that fair to say? Can you talk about that a little bit? I, sure. I mean, we, you know, we have our response. We go out to, to all the fires and everything. But a very large part of what we do is preparing people so that they can be more resilient and recover after some kind of disaster. So we have programs in general preparedness where we can go in and, and speak to groups or, um, you know, community organizations. We have really specific preparedness um, for emergency plans for small businesses. Uh, we go into schools and do uh, preparedness programs for the elementary school kids. And like I said, the home fire campaign. So, you know, we just want everybody to be prepared. We want to make sure that, and and it's kind of not when or if now, it's when something happens in our community that we have the resiliency to keep people going and to be able to help themselves in some way. And we're we're here to assist with that. Yeah, I agree. I think that or me in particular, I know, Diane, when I think of the Red Cross, I think of these large campaigns during disasters uh, internationally and nationally. I think the first time I really heard a lot about the Red Cross personally was during Katrina. Yeah, we always said, you know, we just kind of say we're, we're so lucky to be living here because this area does not, well, until a few weeks ago, have uh, hurricane influences, um, and we get very few tornadoes, and there is always the possibility of an earthquake. Um, but the things that we face every single day are home fires and apartment fires. Um, we provide the blood to, I think, it's 14 of our hospitals here. Uh, we just we just want to make this community safe and resilient and and the way we can do that is by working with community partners that that help us get the word out or allow us to come in and talk to them uh, we work with government agencies and non-government agencies we just we just want all those relationships that will help the community so yes we do things um, like maybe telephones or something like that for for really big events. Um, Maui was a good example. Um, we still have people in Maui. We have people in Vermont. We have people in Mississippi. Um, we send local people all over to these major uh, responses, but we also send local people out every day to house fires and apartment fires. And before we came on air today, one of the things that you touched on, Diane, is the fact that the Red Cross hasn't 
and you've had many years being a part of the organization, but you were saying that the Red Cross doesn't really actively engage in a lot of cause marketing. And I guess one of the reasons why is because you guys, that was what I said, was you guys are too busy doing things <laughs> to have time to market yourself. Do you think that the service that you're providing here locally, nationally, and even internationally is your form of, of cause marketing? People learn about the Red Cross through your actions. Um, that's probably true. We, you know, certainly our our trademark is one of the most familiar, I think, um, next to Coca-Cola. It's the best known. And uh, and it it's trustworthy. You know, when people see um, Red Cross workers show up in those vests and they see that, that big emblem, um, we've had many people tell us, you know, it just makes them feel like, okay, things are going to be okay. We've got somebody here on our side. And when there's a house fire, I've had so many people say to me, you know, when, when we're out of our home and we don't even realize what we've left in there and what we don't have, and just a, a, a comfort kit, we call them, a package that has a toothbrush and toothpaste and shampoo and conditioner and body lotion, that kind of thing, they don't even realize that something as small as that is no longer theirs. They don't have any of that anymore. Everything that they have, they've lost, and they're starting all over, and they just can't even think about all the things that are gone. Oh, that's amazing. It's amazing how proactive and responsive, and now you talk about the trustworthiness and, and the comfort and support. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how do people get involved, both volunteering or to to find out more about these services that seem to be a bit of an enigma. I mean, I think it's amazing that you would go into somebody's home and completely retrofit um, the alarm system so that they would be informed of a fire or of a carbon monoxide issue. Um, how, how do people plug in to the American Red Cross here in, um, in town? Uh, I mean, we can always go to redcross.org and all of the programs are on there. Um, we have a, a phone number that they can call for the smoke alarms. The way we get called and involve people who, are, who become our clients is usually through the fire department. So we are a service um, that is provided as an immediate emergency service to the clients who have suffered a disaster. And that means that we're not going to be an insurance agency. We're not going to provide, um, you know, a new apartment for someone to live in for six or eight months while their apartment is being refurbished. But um, we're going to make sure that they have what they need for those first few days, that they can go to a hotel for a few days, that they can get food, that they can get a few changes of clothing. And then we have caseworkers who follow up with them and make sure that they have the resources they need, know about other community resources. Um, if they need some legal assistance, we can provide uh, resources for legal aid. We can do um, uh, medical. We, we have mental health workers and, and nurses and spiritual care people, and all of those are licensed and certified, so they know what they're doing. We're not just, you know, telling them what we think. We're, we're providing them with um, 
educated and certified people to do those those services. It's almost like triage. Is that accurate? It is. Yeah, it is. It is okay. because yeah. um, you know when when we go out to a fire, we interview the people, we talk to them about um, the things that that we need to know demographically. But then as we're conversing with them, we often find out other things that they have because a lot of people um, that we are called out to visit with have a lot of um, things in their lives that are already pretty difficult before they have a fire or a flood or whatever it is. So, you know, we, we try to be as holistic as we can in our services. Yeah, I mean, you just think about if there's a fire and someone is a diabetic, they don't have their insulin. They don't have, if they have a pet, they don't have dog or cat food. I mean, it's just, it's really, it's really astounding what, what that must be like. I'm, and I, and I guess you deal with that um, every single day. Yes, we do. We, we usually kind of on the average, we get um, fire calls about every 18 hours. Um, of course, sometimes we get to sleep all the way through the night, but that means we're probably going to have two or three calls the next day. But, you know, the, that's why we volunteer. That's what we want to do, and we're happy to do it. And and I know one of the things that, that you mentioned was pets, and we also, if there's a large apartment fire or some kind of a larger disaster, we open shelters. And over the years... Pets have been difficult, and now Nevada has passed um, legislation that says that if we open shelters, we have to provide for for people's pets, which I think is wonderful. And and part of the information that we gather when we're interviewing people after a disaster is information about their pets because often um, pet-related issues cause some roadblocks to recovery. You know, if their pet was injured in the fire or if it doesn't have a microchip or they, the food was all left in the house, you know, there are a lot of things that they have to look at. And so many people make sure that those pets are taken care of before they themselves are taken care of. So now that's something that we're really looking at and including in those interviews also. You know, when you talk about uh, pillars of the community, it's something that we we talk a lot about at the Cause Marketing Chamber and on the show is that nonprofit organizations are absolutely pillars of the community. And when you think of the types of services that you've been describing, Diane, um, that are provided by the people, that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about nonprofit organizations is that they are organizations that are created by the people, for the people. It's the community pulling together to look out for for one another. And I really feel that the Red Cross exemplifies that at a high level. And that's why I think people have so much respect uh, for your nonprofit organization that you've been a part of uh, specifically. It's just because of how many lives uh, you're affecting constantly at the local, national, and international level as a true pillar, someone that people can depend on. Uh, It's so, so so valuable what your nonprofit does and so many other nonprofits in our community. And that's why we call you guys pillars. Well, thank you. 
Yeah, we're going to, oh, by the way, if you've just tuned in, we are listening to the Business of Giving podcast at 91.5 uh, FM, uh, Jazz and More. And, oh, just wanted to let you know that Soul Up and its channel partners are providing complimentary solar to local charities, supporting four HopeLink transitional housing properties, solar to feed pets of the homeless, Volunteers of America, and Opportunity Village. Their founder sits on the board of Nevada Conservation League. And by the way, Nevada Conservation League is going to be stopping by the Business of Giving show uh, very soon. We're also going to have Steve Hamili, uh, the CEO of Soul Up, on the show. We're going to learn more about the services uh, that Nevada Conservation League is providing. Really looking forward to, to that podcast. So stay tuned. We're going to learn more about Nevada Conservation League very soon. And we have been speaking with Diane Orgel. She is with the Red Cross. She's a volunteer partner and just been asking her questions related to uh, to her philanthropy. And I know you're a very modest woman, Diane, but when I was talking to Maria prior to you coming on the air, philanthropy is something that you are engaged in at a at a high level, I know specifically with the Red Cross, but there's a lot of other things that you're doing in the community as well. Would you would you be willing to speak to some of the other community fulfillment projects that you are a part of or have been a part of? Um, I mean, I do whatever I can. I I really love this community and. I've been here a long time, which afforded me the opportunity of meeting a lot of the people who have grown and developed into government leaders and um, community leaders as far as in commercial activities. So, so some of the things that, that I work with, um, the first responders, you know, we're always doing exercises and plans for preparedness. Uh, When I joined the Red Cross and started attending some of those meetings, one of the things that just amazed me, and I kept saying, I had no idea that there were so many people in this community who were planning so hard just to take care of me in case something happened. And and I think that that is um, definitely something that most community members don't think of. You know, we go about our lives every day and what we normally do, and we don't realize what all of those first responders are out there, not just out on the streets doing their thing, but they're also preparing for any kind of um, emergency or disaster that that might come up, and they prepare far in advance. Um, The whole one October thing, which we're back to the anniversary again, and um, it it kind of woke us up because we are, like I said before, so lucky not to have a lot of big emergencies. So now when we have things like the big New Year's Eve celebrations and Formula One and the uh, football games and all the, the big events that are coming up, you know, there are so many people who are prepared and make sure that people are safe when they when they go to those things. And and I love being part of that. Um as far as uh, what Maria and I have talked about in the past is we both have a love of animals and we've done whatever we could of working with um, spay and neuter clinics and uh, rescuing animals and things. Just, just again, 
because those animals are part of the community and they are an important part of the community and they need to be um, respected and protected just like, just like the, the human members are. Um, probably the other things that I've done in the community mostly have to do with education. I was a, a teacher for many years, so I've, I've taught at all different levels and uh, totally love doing that. Um, but like I said, just whatever, whatever comes up, if there's somewhere that I can help, I'm happy to do that. I have to say, as my friend and uh, and rescuer in arms, that you truly are a remarkable community servant, Diane. And it's an honor to know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Is volunteerism something that you've just you've always done, Diane? Is this were you raised in a a background of volunteerism? How did you get so engaged in wanting to to contribute to your community? You know, I, I, my parents were always um, active in like church activities and things, but they, we were living in a smaller town and there weren't a lot of nonprofits there. Um, but when I got here and started being involved with teaching and doing activities with the kids, I started finding more and more things. And then my love of animals kind of jumped in there. And uh, when I, I actually saw something on TV where there was a wildfire in California and there were people with Red Cross vests that were um, helping get the horses out. So I called up the Red Cross office and said, I, I want to volunteer and I want to do whatever I can to help the animals. And they said, mm, we don't really do that. <laughs> so it just kind of it went on from there with uh, people I knew and what they were doing. And then because I've been here for such a long time, um, I I keep adding to the the tasks that I do, and and I love all of them. And it took it took years just to to learn about everything because all of the things that I mentioned, we have you know other services too. We have a huge department that is um, for service to the armed forces, and we work out at the VA hospital, and we just there are just so many things that the Red Cross does. So. There's something for anyone who wants to get involved volunteering. It can be a daily activity. It can be uh, occasional. It can be virtual. It can be in person because, you know, going out to the the fires and and meeting with the people who have just lost everything, um, sometimes that's not for everyone. It's a, it's a difficult situation. But there's always something that, that we can find for you to do here. And if it's not the Red Cross, you know, there are so many organizations in town and they all need help. Um, we're, we're a little bit unique because a lot of our leadership is volunteer. But there are so many organizations in town that, that need help with all kinds of projects. And Maria, you make these incredible friendships. Uh, again, I just always want to let you know how much I appreciate the, the guests that you bring on from these different organizations. But for you being so engaged in, in cause marketing at the sponsorship level and the, in the community engagement, these friendships that you, that you strike up with people like Diane, how, you know, how fulfilling is that for you to have these types of friends that you can reach out to, um, you know, how does that, 
How does that work well for you? I mean, I, I just always really enjoy the people that you bring to be a part of this show. Well, you know, I, I don't think I could have it any other way. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what I do is causing social issues marketing can't be disingenuous. So it would, it would be a little odd for me to have friends that weren't very genuine. <laughs> so I don't have many, but the ones that I have are super precious and important uh, and committed. And um, I mean, I could tell you some stories about calling Diane where there's a bird in the backyard. What do I do? <laughs> there's a rabbit here. What do I do? Um, but, you know, I, my few friends, I could count on them uh, and I could, um, I could bet my life on them. And so it's very rewarding to have friends like Diane. Yeah, and have you discovered that too, Diane, being engaged in, in this type of work for a lot of years? I bet you've made some, some amazing friends and have great relationships as a direct result of, of getting involved in volunteerism with the Red Cross and other organizations. Uh, that's true, absolutely. Uh, the, the people that I spend my time with are people who feel the same way I do about the community and and helping um, all of the people who live here, the citizens that have been here for a long time. And, and we know that we have a lot of new people here and they don't know a lot about Las Vegas, but Las Vegas is, is an amazing giving community. And um, those of us who've been around for a long time have seen the generosity over and over and over. Um, I met a lot of people when I was teaching and now as I go around to other organizations trying to um, develop relationships to help our clients, I just meet people who are so like-minded, and it's, it's very rewarding. Yes, I just always like to, to share this aspect. Uh, I think when, um, when people think of charities or they think of causes or, or um, the philanthropic world, you just think about the, the service that's provided, which is – which is huge. I mean, what makes a nonprofit work is the value that it brings to the community. But again, the quality of people when you get engaged in in volunteer work or uh, when you start partnering up with people in the nonprofit world, it's just the most wonderful people that you will meet. Why? Because they all are, as Diane had mentioned a second ago, they're very, very excited about giving back to their community. and And that just bursts out of them when you hang out with someone like Maria or I'm sure if I hung out with Diane uh, for some time you just they're different they're different types of people and I know for those of you who are are tuning into this show on a regular basis we want you to come and be a part of all this we know that there's a space for you in the business world or the nonprofit world and what we're doing with this show is bringing uh, both of these uh, worlds together for a better community overall and I just I really appreciate you Diane for stopping by today and talking about the Red Cross and your uh, your history and philanthropy. And if someone wanted to become a part of all the wonderful things that you're doing at the Red Cross, how could they uh, connect with you or, or someone in your organization? Um, the best way is to go to redcross.org and it'll ask if you want to be a volunteer. But um, there, you know, I'm here all the time. Our our office is over at 444 East Warm Springs, Suite 110, and I'm here several days a week and happy to talk with anybody about this. 
And as Diane had mentioned, there are lots of volunteer opportunities with the Red Cross. You could be of service pretty much anywhere, couldn't you, Diane, if um, whatever your contribution um, would be, you would definitely be helping a lot of people. So the thing thing that is important to know, though, is that we're not like um, an organization that you can just come in and kind of start working. Now, we do have things like tabling events and things like that that don't take training. But if you want to deploy, like to Maui or something like that, there's quite a lot of training that goes into that because we need to make sure that all of our clients are receiving the same uh, treatment no matter where it happens. And because we are dealing with financial assistance in some cases, there are there are some pretty pretty strict requirements as to the training that you have to go through. But it's not, I mean, I'm not talking about years of training. I'm talking about hours. So it's certainly doable if you're interested. Yeah. Thanks again, Diane Orgel with the Red Cross for stopping by. And Maria, really quickly, how can they get in contact with you to learn more about your services that'll help uh, cause marketing efforts? If you want to discuss cause marketing strategy with me, cause coach Maria, you can reach me at Maria at causemarketingconsultants.com. The Business of Giving podcast was brought to you by Soul Up's underwriting of our series. And thank you so much, Maria, as always, for co-hosting the show. And as usual, I want to remind you all to give and do business for good. See you soon. Shoulder. As I'm getting older, your people get older. Most of us only care about money.